Charles says 406. Look at Charles taunting us. 406. <laughs> See, this is what we do. We just pick the time that's a minute after when we actually go on. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Charles. Have faith in us, man. Look, 406. Who, who, who do you think we are, man? A bunch of rookies or something? Yeah, Charles. What's what's up with that? Jeez, DK, you want to go ahead and get this thing started before we beloviate even more with Charles? Not without a bell, I don't. Not there she is. Okay. Jen wants to know what it is that we're talking about today, and I've got an idea here, Moan. I yeah. want to know how I want to know how you feel about this group of wide receivers and whether or not the Steelers need to add this off season, uh, and if so, to what degree? Well, like what what do you think there is to to say about Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Calvin Austin, the whole group? Uh, I think it's a good group. Here's the thing: I think. Calvin's in number four until he can define a role like a Tariq Hill. Is that fair to say? If we're talking about incorporating him, he is still going to be your 400 yards a game max type of guy that's going to get you some gadget stuff. I hope he excels even more in special teams. I'm not discounting him as a pro. I think he's been a consummate pro. I think he's been really good of a professional athlete so far for the role he's been asked of for this team. Uh, when you look at the other guys that are on this roster, when it comes down to the wide receiver position, I, I think you got a solid one and two, and then it's everybody else. I look still at what Cincinnati had, right? If we're speaking about Whoa. wide receivers. <laughs> yeah, that, we're, we're, that's kind of one, the standard. Two, <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. So I do think we're a guy or two away from having a very solid wide receiver group. Think about it. You're one, two, and three. Who can definitively say what those one, two, and three is. You got Calvin Austin, probably a four. Miles Boykin, probably a three, maybe, but you can upgrade it. Deontay George and Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, who's an aging vet in the league. So there's room for one or two young guys. Wouldn't hurt to actually get one in the second round. Heck, are we at a point to where we can start taking luxury picks like a wide receiver in the first round if it's there and you really like them? I have a couple observations related to the receivers and I know they take their share of hits especially when it comes to you know drama stuff although they're not as dramatic as certain yeah. predecessors they they were able to be consistent over these last four games in particular they had the fewest drops in the NFL did uh, they uh, yeah and if you think about it it makes sense uh, it, it'll resonate with you. For example, the game where Mason Rudolph was 18 of 20. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it actually should have been 19 of 20, but Deontay reached back with his right arm to try to slow the other guy down instead of just going to catch the football. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there weren't drops. There weren't drops. Yeah. All the, it, no matter what you could say about them, you couldn't throw drops at them. And I'd like to think that that's a sign of their maturity uh, in, in particular, George Pickens, because P Pickens was used in different capacities over that past month. You notice that he wasn't just the one trick pony. He was being given the ball in all kinds of situations. Mm -hmm. So I, I felt like the two of them, I, I don't know, between Deontay and George, there has to be another level. And Deontay is not exactly the new kid. So I don't know that he's got another gear that he can hit or if he just is who he is. But I also feel like 
I wonder if it isn't the three that's missing. Yeah. Like, you mentioned the Bengals, Moan? Yeah. You know who's a free agent? Uh, T. Higgins. And Tyler Boyd. And Tyler Boyd. From? From Cincinnati? Oh, oh, Tyler's from from Pittsburgh. Yeah. From from, from Clarence. Guess where T. Higgins from? Hmm. Yep. Tennessee. Tennessee. I I actually knew this. (laughs) Because his fan base down here is, oh, my God, they're salivating over the fact that he can come back home. But, yes, you're you're 100% correct. T. Higgins might not be the guy, but I think someone like Tyler, you know, would be a really, really strong fit and maybe get you what you'd hoped to get from Allen Robinson uh, and those guys. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, 100%. And again, Miles Boykin is, of course, is the next youngest guy behind Deontay. As in year five, I think is what he just finished here in Pittsburgh. So you'd love to see him get a bigger role. But here's the thing, too, about the wide receiver position. If by year five we don't know his name as much as we need to, he's probably not the guy to make you those type of plays. I'll mention a name to you. You're going to be like, oh, yeah, you want to hear one more? Mm. If we're throwing names out, Gabriel Davis. Okay. <laughs> you see the difference? Yeah, I, yeah. But I think if the Steelers are going to have X amount of uh, money involved in this, and they yeah. do have X amount, it's a finite amount. I don't know that wide receivers where you'd be spending it, especially when you can draft in the second round and get yourself someone who can walk right onto the football field. That's why I'm thinking more along the lines of a Tyler, you know, than I am, you know, yeah. someone else here. I love the fact that Dietrich was actually in on this too. This was he put this up. Tyler Boyd, like right away, he put it up before I even said the name. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I think here's the pathway to doing that, man. Shout out to Cool Rays, first time seeing you in here. A third or fourth round pick. I, I think this year's draft is probably as deep as far. I'll say this is probably better talent wise than it has been in years past. From the O line, I think the quarterbacks is better than it has been in years past. I think. Uh, looking at the running backs in this one, uh, only question marks I have in this group is what are the linebackers going to look like? Defense is, I think, just as solid too. But, of course, we get to the nooks and crannies of this type of stuff. We'll figure it out. Third third round at the latest for a wide receiver for me. I'm not sure if this team is at the port to where they can start making luxury picks. Like if the best available person on the board is probably a wide receiver – all right, I like that idea that you take them, but do we necessarily have to get them? I'd much rather take a first-round inside linebacker, inside linebacker that I think could be a, a Pittsburgh Steeler. That's the other portion of picking the picking the, the next inside linebacker in the first round to me. Is he a Pittsburgh Steeler? And I, I think you know what that means. Yeah, I, I do. And I also know that Tyler Boyd has embodied that pretty much his whole life, except for the years he's been stuck in Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, this is this is a guy that uh, I'll tell you what, I, I had so much respect for him, uh, both at Clareton and where I, where I covered him and then on to Pitt, where I thought he was just a superstar in waiting. I don't know that he's been that okay. in the NFL, but he's been a very, very good player. And I it would this right here from Swan adding Tyler Boyd would really wow. make all of the receivers uh, a threat. That's that's an interesting way of looking at it, you know. So here's the thing: I, I, I've tried to make sure we have some type of information. I'm not a huge numbers guy unless I need them, um, but I ended up going to Spot Track just to see what his market value is as far as um, his market value as far as what they project him to make, and that can go high, that can go low, also. But it has his estimated market value is about $8.7 million a year. 
they cultivated a deal that said it's three years, $26.1 million. Pittsburgh can fit that under their cap, DK? Oh, you know who's in charge, right? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> it can make that happen, man. We're talking about $8 million for a guy that's about to be 30 at the end of 2024. I think that's an, an appropriate deal for a guy that's still making plays for his team. This last year, uh, Tyler Boyd, I think, had about 600 yards receiving, over 650. We're talking about a number three guy. If you got the George one, Deontay two, however you want to flip it, and then Tyler Boyd three, I can live that life. But, heck, if they can take uh, Mike Hilton, then we can doggone sure take one of their wide receivers too, right? Yeah, I, I think that there's there's a, there's a healthy outlook to keeping – not just an open mind, but an aggressive thought process toward the wide receiver position. Okay. As I, 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 I feel like, especially over the final month, once Mason Rudolph came in and you started to see what they would look like as an NFL offense, yeah. that certain things kind of got exposed. And I know a couple people have already mentioned here in the comments, the fumbles. I mean, I don't know that fumbles are something – you know, that's fixable is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know that fumbles are a reason unless somebody really has some kind of crazy issues with it. Uh, you can coach that out of somebody, yeah, generally speaking. What you can't coach are the crazy things that George could do. What you can't coach is the route running that Deontay offers. Oh, my. So there's – yeah. And, and by the way, as long as we're talking about poaching Bengals – <laughs> you want him back? <laughs> I never wanted him to leave. You know that. You want him back? DK want that old thing back, man. I never. Who, who, I'm on record. I can go back and find you the footage. I was not at all happy with not keeping Mike Hilton, and they made that a conscious decision. Like yeah. this is just a disposable player. We'll go get another one, and then they go and get. And to his credit, Arthur Millette came in and was a player, and we saw he's still a player. Dude. Over this past weekend, Arthur made some significant plays. Steelers need a corner, a dynamic corner, a corner. I'm sorry, slot corner, slot and corner. nickel, nickel guy in right, and who's able to get back into the backfield, make them make some things happen. Nobody on this roster was doing that. <laughs> Look at all the crowd, Miss. Yeah, I want Mike Hilton back. I'm still mad he left, man. <laughs> Hilton was a big loss, and Cam Sutton for the role that he played for us too in the slot when he That's was playing the slot mm-hmm. is another one. I know he got he, he got put in the blender. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not the day to bring up, not the week to bring up Cam Sutton. <laughs> but how many people have been put in that same blender with Mike Evans in in Tampa Bay though? DK, a lot of people have been put in the Mike Evans blender. Mike Evans, thirty years old, and he showed he still got it, didn't he? Can we can we talk about that for a second too? Let's do that right before that we get to the uh, to, only to segment the other that matters. Yeah. The age age thing, DK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the age does it matter more and matter less in today's NFL than it once did? You you reported in an era where guys still lived hard. Football training wasn't a year-round thing. They didn't go to warm area places to train the way they do. I know you got Jerry Rice, and I know you got guys of that liking. But I think we probably need to increase the age gap when we start viewing these guys. Because if you're asking me, will I sign Mike Evans? The answer is yes, and I'm not even thinking about it, DK, at 30 years old. 
I am. My, yeah, the, the the catch with and, and Evans and 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 you and I talk about this all and the time. And I got to throw DeAndre Hopkins out there too that had another thousand yard season himself. That guy. I the problem is though is the difference between those guys and someone like a Miles Boykin is what? Is they've proven it already? Nah, Boykin's oh, on special teams. Oh, special teams. <laughs> and when you're bringing in the older receivers and they're just standing on the sideline for most of the game, you're not getting the best use out of your 53. So it's got to be somebody who can still play. And the thing they loved about Miles is Miles is also a terrific run blocker as a wide receiver. I mean, Miles was joke about it. He he was the he was the red flag when he'd come onto the field. That hey everybody, <laughs> here comes a run play. It's me, number 13. Uh but they they do have needs at, at the position. They do have needs at slot corner and it, it's going to be interesting to see how how they attack that how much money they have, how much Omar can free up. Fascinating. Fascinating. Free agency. Cat Manita correctly points out, by the way, that we love Miles Boykin. Yeah, we do. That is accurate. I think, you know, Miles Boykin's going to have a show. He's going to have a show? This guy, you want to talk about smooth and well-spoken. Get out of here. Just a complete pro. I'm serious. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know that I could see him like in a Ryan Clark type role because that's more of a hot take Stephen A kind of thing. Okay. But I could see him doing the weather. <laughs> just good at whatever huh dk is that yeah, what that is that's man? it that's it now let's go to the weather with miles boykin well thanks caroline <laughs> why is it always the go-to name thanks caroline you like that <laughs> there's a few in this market here in nashville it's funny you say that you and have carolines of, oh my gosh i think it's like two or three of them here uh I, I, we're talking about wide receivers and uh you asked me about this group and i, I love to show this too Dwight pointed out Deontay Johnson did clean up his running east, west, and south and did more decisively run north this season. And you and, could tell it was on his, it was at the front of his mind. And true to himself, when he saw a play, a legit play that he could uh, add some yards onto by doing that backward running thing, more often than not, those did not get blown up. And the drops, too. Did he have a couple moments? Yeah. We had a game where he was frustrated about catches, and it was like, well, you had the, t- the, the touchdown in the end zone, remember? Mm-hmm. But he worked at it, and you could tell the same way I look at George Pickens and we're discussing the fumbles, right? Mm-hmm. You expect them to get better. Exactly. When we come back, we're going to tackle the only segment that actually matters. And that's Amon. Let's do this right way. At DK Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now, that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live box scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Coverage that connects. Hyden Daddy has an interesting observation before we get to the questions. He says, I love that Deontay cleaned up the yak and the drops. Now, if he can keep his emotions in check, he should be solid. You know, I'm not one of those people who's prone to going along with every Tomlinism that exists, but the I'd rather say woe than sick him is arguably one of his healthiest. You know, yeah. he, he'd rather rein them in than to try to motivate them or to energize them. That's a line there, isn't it, Moan? Yes, it is, man. Again, you 
the passion is a part of that elite status that those guys have when you're playing at that level, right? That being upset and having that emotion to me, you never get mad at it. Do you have to check it every once in a while? Yeah, you do. But you know what you love? A player that actually cares and show it, then one that's nonchalant and you got a question, are they involved in it? You never got a question where DeAndre, uh, Deontay sits in this situation. Tom knows how to get a segment started. Look at that one. <laughs> it's almost just like, you know, the South American soccer uh, Goal, announcers. Yeah. Goal, yeah. <laughs> yes, man. Are we ready? Here yeah, we go. Let's do it. Wayne Williams says, hey, Bone, is it harder to find a corner or an interior offensive lineman given how long they take to develop? Ooh, that is a great question, Wayne. Uh, Depends on if you have somebody on the all-rookie team or not. Let's give some props here today to Joey Porter Jr. for making the NFL's all-rookie team, and deservedly so. Yeah. It's probably finding a a guard, interior offensive lineman, because there's so much to have to go into. At least that center, I mean, that corner, you can work on your athletic ability, but you're understanding that you have to go up against D lineman who's been in the league seven plus years that are probably stronger, wiser, and quicker than you at the reaction time that you're gonna have. I think interior O line is a is a little bit harder to find those types of guys because here's the thing too to your same point: a guy can be mediocre, very mediocre in his first two, three years, and then turn into a stud. Like that happens, I feel like more on the interior because you got to earn those reps and you're hidden. And you you also got to make sure you can work good to the guy to the left and to the right of you. A corner, Sauce Gardner came out hot. Joey Porter Jr. had his transgressions early. Then he came out hot. Witherspoon came out. Like, you can name all the young corners, but you can't really name a young interior offensive lineman until about one or two years later. Lori says, hey, Moan. Who do you prefer, Zach Robinson from the Rams or Cliff Kingsbury, formerly of the, the Cardinals? Is there an offensive coordinator name that you're waiting to hear that they might be interviewing? Is there a name that's attached to any of this right now where you think, man, this guy would be a nice fit for Pittsburgh? No, uh, not off top. Yeah. I'll be lying to you if I did. Cliff Kingsbury, to me, I don't know what he's going to be. He it's, keeps falling upward, doesn't he? He does. <laughs> he, he does, man. And for the life of me, I, I love that people get opportunities, but this retread sometimes gets kind of old. And the only reason I won't give you that name right now is because there may be somebody in another room somewhere that's probably more – he's probably more capable of doing the job than those guys you named. Cliff Kingsbury, to me, I'm hesitant to say because – to see his play calling ability, I need to either go back to college or try to see what he did with Kyler Murray. And that wasn't the greatest, uh, that wasn't the greatest act that he had. Yeah. I, I think where the coordinator situation is concerned, first of all, patience is advised. I mean, when you're doing a legitimate outside search, yes, the musical chairs start getting filled. Yes. You start getting a little nervous because, Oh, there's a guy we could have had. We should have had, But chances are really good that if you want somebody, I can't remember where this was, in the NFL just a couple of days ago, there was either a coach or a coordinator of some kind who was in the building. It was a coordinator who once he was in the building, and that's the terminology that gets used, right, Moan? Yeah, once you're in the building, 
what came out of there was we're not letting them leave, which sounds really ominous, right? Mm-hmm. But they're not. They're going to end up with him in one of those those offices with the, the, the lame framed photos and nothing else in it that nobody actually uses. Yeah. They hand him a pen and a paper and say, you're not leaving until you sign this. Yep. When the Steelers have that individual, they're going to know, but it's different when they go to the outside, isn't it? Yeah, and here's the thing, too. If we're talking about them going to go get someone, mm-hmm. uh, I was told today by somebody who's been in the NFL for a very long time, that when you are trying to steal somebody else's OC or quarterback coach or running back coach, wide receiver coach, that ownership on the team that they're currently on has to sign off on that. They actually have to say, yes, you can leave and go sign to Pittsburgh. Any ownership can turn turn down a coach leaving other than the head coach. Right. Although in the process, the way the process works is you're not even interviewing unless no. you have that permission. So unless you're not doing you the it. tour. So when you hear of a Robinson or whoever – uh, making their way around the NFL, they've already gotten permission from the Rams to do that. Yeah, um, The Rams have had some high-quality coaching over the past th- three, four years, and you know that's the tree that you want to be picking from. I know everybody loves that term, coaching tree. <laughs> Joshua Dobbs says, hey, Moan, center or tackle in the first round? Rule of thumb is unless he's a bona fide first rounder, you do not take a center in the first round like that, okay? I'm sorry to tell you, but Marquises are very few and far between. So, yeah, if we're going to talk about O-line, you go tackle in the first round. Tackle is where you go. Where was what? Where was Marquise drafted in the first 18. round? 18. 16 or 18. I think he was 16 and Mike was 18. Don't ask me how I know that. It was it was some <laughs> – I, I, I know the two of them were real – we're real close yeah. in, in the draft, um, but my goodness, you want to talk about a spectacular draft pick. You know? yeah, oh, my gosh. I mean, seriously. 18th Ooh, overall in 18th. 2010. Yeah. And, and I got to see when Mike was because – There were 17 that, players taken before Marquise. Yeah. And I'm sure and there Mike were some was good 15. ones. Yeah. You want to hear what's funny about that? Mm. So Marquise went 18 before the CBA changed. And Mike went three picks ahead of him at 15. Marquise got more money than he did because the CBA changed. So he used to mess with oh. him about that. <laughs> oh, it's like, yeah, you went higher than me, but I got a bigger signing bonus than you, man. Uh, Bill Pastor says, stuff. hey, Bone, regardless of what quarterbacks are in camp, what input, if any, do you think a new coordinator would have in determining the starter? Who who determines the starter, Bone? That, that it's a collective head coach and OC, honestly, in the team. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. You're going to see the plays that are being made. Here's the thing, too. You can't let somebody else make a decision for you and your job is counted on it, too. If he likes his quarterback better, he's probably going to have to go with that quarterback and finally settle in. Somebody's feelings are going to be hurt. But here's the thing. Has Coach T ever cared about somebody's feelings, DK, when it comes down to winning and losing? Uh, yeah, Who? a little, little bit. You know, he has his guys. He has his guys, but those guys probably step up to the plate, too, Mm -hmm. in those moments. Because he trusts them, right? Yeah, because he trusts them. Kerry says, I'd like to invest some money and get Patrick Queen. Don't do that. I saw that. I'll take Patrick Queen, and I'll take Roquan Smith, and I'll take, (laughs) you know, I mean. But how do you let Patrick Queen leave uh, Baltimore, uh, though, too? Yeah, that's, no. Yeah. Caleb says, hey, Bone. Isolating Najee Harris from the offensive line. Is there a reason that he seemed to change his run style 
in the latter half of the season the last two years. Do you think he changed his running style the last two years in, this, in the latter parts? I almost feel like Najee works better under pressure. The latter part of the season, this team is in crunch time, and stuff's got to be done. I think we did see him run harder. Uh, my advice for Najee would be this, very respectfully, go talk to Le'Veon for a lot of different reasons, whether that's pass catching, whether it's run style, whether that's communicating with the O-line to figure out what's going to work for him. Because I do feel like, Caleb, to your point, he got a better understanding how the group was blocking for him. Now, again, I know you said isolating Najee from the hill line, but you can't. almost can't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if he if they're not blocking for him the way you need him to, then they need to say something. And maybe they did that later on in the season. I heard Derrick Henry, who I think runs exactly like Najee, and Najee runs like Derrick Henry. The communication that he had said he had with his O-line when he was getting those 2,000-yard seasons was that group would come talk to him and say, hey, Derek, you, you should have probably stayed front side right here or back side. Or he would, it's vice versa. There's a lot of that going on when you speak about guys needing to run and stuff like that. But I would highly suggest um, him to go probably have a conversation. Maybe he don't need to. Maybe he's talking to Marshawn Lynch. I don't know. But Le'Veon know what it takes to play in there and transform yourself and transform your body the way he needed to in his contract year and stuff like that. There's uh, Antoine says, hey, Moan, how do you feel about Kenny Pickett skipping his exit interview? He didn't do that. He didn't. That's what I was wondering. Like, it wouldn't make no sense for no, him to do but that. I, but just because that's up on the board here, I use the opportunity to clear that up. I think, you're Antoine, you're getting confused with uh, Kenny not being around for the final media access. Okay. Okay. That's just us. <laughs> okay. You know what? I've heard media people cry about players not showing up for that. Yes, you have. It wasn't um, me. I know it wasn't you, but <laughs> that is one of I, – do I think players should be somewhat available? Yes. Get your five minutes and move on. Yeah. Uh, but to be upset that players choose not to show up when it's voluntary in those moments, uh, that's, 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 that's catty. I'll throw in a couple of things while agreeing that that can be catty from a reporter's perspective just to try to explain why any of us might feel that way. The main reason is that we don't see this player again for months, okay? And if you're somebody who's long-term with the Steelers, uh, then your voice carries some weight, and we value it. We want to hear what you have to say. The other part of it is that, man, if you if you hadn't talked after the final game, that's the ones where you really – where you really get it. Like if you're not in a position where you were available after the final game, then we really didn't get your thoughts on the, the end of the season or how you did for the year or anything. So from a content perspective, as opposed to being caddy or whatever, that's, yeah. that's the way that I would think of it. If there was somebody that I wanted, I really wanted to hear from actually, to be honest with you, one of them would have been Kenny, yeah. but that's a big difference between that and an exit exit interview means exit interview means a coach. Yeah. That's one-on-one. You know, so shouldn't you. captains show up? Yeah, we can do that. I don't want to make more of it than it is. Um, I think yeah. Kenny, Kenny's got real issues toward becoming an NFL quarterback, and this this is not one of them. Stan Smith says, hey, Moan, when the time comes, should there be an effort to sign Najee and Jalen to extensions? Najee, of course, has a five-year, fifth-year option that's going to be exercised, estimated yeah. at being around 6.6. So. Yeah, is and Jalen's still, yeah, that's it. He's a running back. 
Wow, I actually thought it was higher than that. It's actually yeah. dropped down. Oh, yeah. It was holding about 8.8, wasn't it? He's a running back. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I, I do think if that's the value pick for it, absolutely, you go do that. And to say what kind of deal Najee gets at, even after that, three for 24, eight a year, that's about what you're talking about in that market unless he goes bananas and add a big-time pass catching into his uh, four, four array of, 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 of tools that he uses. Um, I got one DK. It's really good. I hopefully I didn't lose it right here. Um, what you got right here? Um, there it is. There we go. From Brian Jonker. What up, Brian? He goes. How can a mediocre? <laughs> how can a mediocre guard get snaps to sharpen their skills? The special team snaps help. Not really for a guard on special teams. Here's the thing, too. You got to have somebody that somewhat believes in your ability to get better. That's how getting better on the O-line does. Nobody comes out ready-made. Joe Thomas, probably one of the main ones to ever just do it like that. Like, we're looking at dudes, the left tackle right now, I think it was Andrew Thomas for the uh, Giants in New York. He got better in year three, too. You got to have a coach that understands the process and just continuing to let you get steps. And you don't watch the failures as much if they start to clean them up. It's a matter of reps all the time, and you got to be trusted that you're getting better each and every year. I was a guy that got better each and every year, and coaches believed in me that I was going to do that too. So it's case by case, but it also comes when you have good teams or bad teams. Bad teams always looking to change players. Good teams somewhat find a way to get steady and hide bad play at times. C.T. Pittman says, Hey, Moan, do you think Keanu Benton will be anywhere near as good as Stefan Tuitt was. It's looking like it. And I'll be honest, I don't think we even got to see the best of Tuitt. I, I don't think we got to see the best of Tuitt. I think so much of him as a player. and As Tuitt? As Tuitt, yeah. But I'll tell you what. When you hear the Steelers evaluators, that includes Tomlin, and Tomlin himself said at the season-ending press conference that he believes that Benton is on the cusp of dominance. Dominance was Tomlin's word. Okay. Uh, That's not the first time that he's brought that up. I think it also has to be recognized that Benton was pretty deep into a rookie season, into a 17-game schedule for the first time in his life. That's why we didn't hear – well, 18 games ultimately. That we didn't hear his name as often over these past few weeks. But the coaches – see on film stuff that maybe the not not Ramon obviously but people like me and and you watching this won't recognize they see stuff that Benton is doing that they believe has a very high ceiling watch him just just watch if y'all got the all 20 you tell us what do you see or NFL I see great hands first I see him being explosive at the line of scrimmage second. I see him taking taking on responsibility, not one but two dudes at a time. If he ain't making the play, which D-tackles or no D-tackles slash no tackles like him rarely do, he's effecting the play to let others make plays for him. It was a portion of the season where he was commanding multiple dudes to look at him. I like Keanu. Again, I think he's headed that way. He's a bigger body to me than what Tuit was. I, I got to watch and see what the twitch was because Tua was very quick twitch. 
I just, I mean, Steph was just such a monster. <laughs> I mean, more than we anything get, else. You're the one who had it. to deal with him, Moan. Yeah, the heck I did, okay? We didn't get all of to it, man. It was that close, man. And, and of course, you never, you never criticize a player for walking away from family issues, man. No, that was uh, that was a, a certainly an, an extraordinary circumstance on top of everything else here. CK wants to know, hey, Moan, how much freedom do you think the new offensive coordinator will have with Tomlin? How much, even in your time, influence did, did Tomlin have on the offense, or was he mostly just hanging out with the defensive guys? Coach T is not a micromanager. He's not. If the plan is good, we go with the plan. Bruce Arians, I told you guys, used to walk into the room and said, this is what we're doing. And he probably had to sell Coach T on it in those uh, team meetings and stuff like that. Yeah, Yeah, in the staff meetings and stuff. But he don't really get in the way. Does he probably have a little bit of say-so with the defensive calls and schemes of how you go attack it? Yeah, because that's in his DNA. But as far as the offense, if it's good and competent, he don't really say much about it. He just don't, unless it's one of those AFC North game where it's understood we got to run and control the line of scrimmage first. We can't get cute. But there's also been times where Ben has come out against Cincinnati and say, we're loading them up. Let's go. Through the air is how we're going to beat them this week. Just being smart, honestly, is what it's about. Dwight Jefferson says Benton hops around like a much smaller man. Dude's agile. Greg says hopefully when Benton gets into NFL shape, he'll be a dog. And and, and, and we're Moan, when we talk about NFL shape and we talk about second-year NFL shape, what is Tomlin's emphasis uh, on that specifically and why? Conditioning only. Conditioning. How long can you go for us? How, how have you conditioned your body to last? When they get tired, where are you at? Physical conditioning precedes anything else is what he's preaching. Can you stay available for us? And can you go for us? That's all that matters in year two. Because here's the thing. The mental part should come. The strong part should go. But can you physically go long over 17 games? That's what he's worried about. Nova gets the final question for today, and it's a good one here. It says, hey, Moan, when is Mason Rudolph coming on? I can't wait to hear from the guy that I supported for six years, says Nova. Uh, There's a lot of people who want to hear from him. There's probably even more people who'd want to hear from him in a in a fun relaxed setting i think if you guys remember what mason was like whenever whenever i was interviewing him uh, up in buffalo he was still upset and and emotional and everything else he was he still carried himself great but it's not the same thing we've seen whenever ramon has had people on here it's a different vibe, especially when Kevin Colbert was on. Mike, you had never seen that side of him. <laughs> if y'all hadn't seen the Kevin one, go back. And, and Marquise one, too. Marquise owe us a part two. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, Vinny's was good, and so was Roosevelt Knicks, man. Um, yeah, I, I'll bring it live. Here's the thing about live, too. I'm going to protect my guys, people. Okay? The comments. Let's be professional about them, about how we go about it, too, okay? Uh, but I just text Mason. Um, DK and I got to have a phone call here real soon, uh, about that too. But yeah, Mason's going to come on and it will be live. That's uh, that's outstanding. And when that happens, by the way, I'm going to be getting out of the way. It's just going to be the two of you guys, just like you're sitting at the same, the stalls right next to each other, the way you did on the South side. And I'll be poking <laughs> my head around in comments and so forth. 
Yeah. Is that a plan? That's a plan. Nah, he, he should hit me back relatively soon. And uh, he said he should settle in this week. So I asked him, hey, this week works. So there we got go. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. What day would y'all prefer? They don't care. They don't care. <laughs> Friday banger, man. Let's do the little outro and come right back. No doubt. I got to tell you, this might be my favorite show we've had in a while. It is. I, I like this. This is real chill, but it's pure football. Yeah. Though. You know, it's, I think we're going to start kind of settling into that point of the pre or the preseason, the off season, where it's kind of like, all right, this is over. Yeah. Let's start, let's start looking at this roster instead of, ah, I got to get rid of this guy. Get rid of that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? The way yeah. the in-season ones go. Yeah. That's because you had a team that actually went to the playoffs too. Like we buried that. I know they lost, but the team that beat you also lost also. Ha! Something like that here. Pittsburgh Fun says, whatever's good for Mason is good for us. Yeah. I'll try to get him before he goes to Alejandro's farm and stuff. So, Mr. CJ Jr. wants to know that, that Freaknik's not coming up. <laughs> nah, no Freaknik this time. <laughs> we will not talk about that. No? Speaking of Alejandro, let me hit him up too. It's time to get them all. Yeah, Hovain wants to know if, if Steph ever comes around. I haven't seen Steph. I haven't heard from Steph. I did try to reach out once just as a human uh, and didn't hear back. And, again, you just respect that, and I, I respected his boundaries. And I, I think I've heard that from a lot, of, uh, a lot of his former teammates, Ramon included, where you tried – it doesn't come back. You just give him his space and respect yeah. it. You know, there's just there's if he makes the choice to you know to come around to reach out to his friends like Ramon, like others, especially you know Cam and so forth. Now that's that's different. But uh, we would just uh, oh, I'm all distracted here because Ron Slay came in. That's my guy. He Look should be that. doing his radio show right now, man. He just wants to share his rage. He even does. though we just said that this is a chill show now. He's even got people saying Ron Slate dog. Okay. More like Ron Slate Vol. Okay. <laughs> but DK, I got a head kid, got a ba- basketball right. game. Here I put APBs out for Al and Mason this week. Okay. So maybe we get a Thursday, Friday back to backer. We'll do it tomorrow. Bye bye. See you, good people. There it is. Hit